Ephesians 4, verse 25, it says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one speak uh, truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, just don't let things fester. That's a command. If you let things fester, it hurts you. So he said, don't let things fester, right? Don't let it go down. Don't let it stay in your life. Don't let it stay in your heart. And if you got to go to somebody and fix something, fix it. He said, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor or don't give place to the devil. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, that that is good, or what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Verse 29, notice this, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for necessary edification It's a word we don't use often, but building up, necessary, it's necessary to be built up. It's necessary for others, but it's necessary for you. Notice that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed, the believer, for the day of redemption. And so, let's go back and look at a verse here, and we'll pick up in this And look at this that I believe will be real helpful for our lives. It's something that we don't, you're not going to get this watching the news. Just thought I'd throw that out there. If if you're going to watch the news and think you're going to get this, you're probably not going to get this. If you think you're going to get this in school, you're not. For the most part, you've got to be in the Word or hearing certain things to get this because... Because this is important, but we don't hear this anymore. Or very little. You know, some psychologists talk some of this stuff, but not in these veins that we're going to go down today and these avenues, and they're super important. And so, you know, one thing we need to recognize as Christians, when you get saved, there's a bunch of stuff that's given to you, and you're made a certain way in the Lord. And a lot of your Christian existence after is learning who you are and what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to function in it. And so here when he says in verse, we'll begin reading in verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Don't let corrupt words come out of your mouth. What is a corrupting word, a decaying word we, you know, what is that? We talked about it just a little bit before. It's like rotten fruit, something that's just not good and not right. And uh, we, you know, we can put on a game face here, but this is something we need to do in our own lives. It's important, you know, what we do for others. You know, how many of us ever watch one of those shows and there's a food fight that breaks out or everybody starts throwing rotten tomatoes at somebody? Nobody's ever seen that, and we're like, oh, that's funny, you know, and they start throwing food. You know, throwing rotten fruit, food at somebody is not appropriate. Throwing food at them is probably not 
appropriate either in most cases. But usually they throw rotten stuff and different things like that. And our words are, you know, full of something, whether we know it or not. There, our words actually come up out of the inside of us or, or can be tainted by things, in good or bad. And so here he said, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Don't let any corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Why the importance? Why? No corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. He said, but... And there's something we really need to see because each individual person in the earth... You know, this is written to believers, but God knows that it's important for everybody. But for you as a believer, you're your own thing, so to speak, in God. You're your own person. You give account for your own life. You give account. The Bible said this. Jesus said that you will give an account for every idle word, every one that proceeds out of your mouth. See, a lot of people think, oh, when I get there... I, I didn't smoke or I didn't cuss, so I'm good. But he said, every word you'll give an account for. Right? It's because like everything has something in it and it's the release of you. And out of the inside of you, these things can come. And there's just something we need to know. Like if, you know, the 4th of July or New Year's, you know, they light the fireworks. When they light that thing, what's inside comes out. Words are what release what's in us. And notice this, though. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good. And then he's going to describe what the good looks like. What's good for necessary? Is it necessary for you to eat for like the next three months? Somebody's like, I could lose a couple pounds. No, like the next three months. Just no more, I'm just going to, you know, I'm determined I'm going to knock this weight off. About that time, you're going to knock some other things off too, long before three months pass. It's necessary you have to do it, right? It's necessary here. What's necessary? He said what's good for necessary building up. So words can build up. Words can build up. Words can tear down. You know, in Ecclesiastes, it said there's a time to plant, there's a time to you know, reap what's planted. There's a time to tear down and time to build up. And he said we have to know what these good words are for necessary building. You can get skilled in building. How many of you know if just because you've got the right products doesn't mean you start applying them in the building process? I mean, you can get good truth like this, and uh, think, okay, i got to go tell everybody, man, blah, and you're going to mess things up. Just because you get lumber delivered to a job site 
doesn't mean you start hammering right away. Or you're going to make a mess. You with me? you got to follow the blueprint. And some people have only heard part and thought, I got the whole thing. And they're building and, you know, I've been on job sites before where, you know, if people do things, they're like, hey, man, we haven't even put this in. You have to take that out. And so, he, they'll, so here he said what's good for necessary, it's necessary to build, but we need to know how, when, where, what, to whom, right? So these are words, and they're to be good, but just because you have good words doesn't always mean you build them on something, on everything, right? You can have really good cement and really good lumber and not have a good foundation somewhere. Or, you know, I was with some people the other day and they, you know, this for sale sign, we were actually just finished hiking. They said, oh, look, for sale sign. It says view lot. I said, yeah. I said, it's true, but if you look at it, there's like a wash bed, wash that goes diagonal through the whole property, and it's 12, 15 feet wide at least. I said, so you got a view lot, but you can't build everywhere because where you put it is important, and you got a little bit of land here and a little bit of land here, and we need to know where do we build. I'm building. I'm, I'm about building. But sometimes you give, and where you try to give doesn't help. Because there's not a good groundwork, a good place, not appropriate. And uh, you can get excited about the things of God, but that doesn't mean the ground you're going to go give it to is real excited about the things of God. You've got to have wisdom. Well, I'm just going to build, I'm going to build a fort in my neighbor's front yard today. If anybody's got extra lumber, come, I'll give you their address. Just dump it there and I'll start building. Don't worry. We all think of that and go, huh? What if I said, hey, you know, Fred here today at church, you know, we, we just love Fred. So let's all bring some leftover lumber to his house and build a fort in his front yard or like, you know, some kind of little structure. I think that'd be great. How many of you know building stuff is not bad, but... Fred might not be open to that. But we're going to do it because it's right. And so he tells us here, but we're not to let bad, but these good words come out. What is good for necessary building up or edifying, he said that it may minister grace to the hearer. Now here's one thing we need to understand. We need to know where to put stuff and where not to put stuff because good, good, well-meaning believers have been shoving lumber in different places. Right? Trying to build, let me fix that in your life. And Jesus said, deal with your own life, get the log out of your own eye, then you'll be skillful to remove the splinter from your neighbor's eye. But sometimes when you got a log in your eye, you don't even see it. But when you get rid of it in your own life, then you can do something. 
But here's the thing. We need wisdom where to build because people have built on stuff, tried to build, and what it's done, the material was right, but where you were putting it was wrong, and the people have gotten bitter. Trash belongs in a trash can, right? These things belong in a certain place. God ultimately wants them in everybody's life, but you can't just put them in everybody's life. And if you just go around and start building in your neighbor's yard, they're not necessarily going to be happy. Some might, some may not. Some may go, man, I've been praying about a clubhouse or a treehouse for my kids, and you did that. Uh, the rest are thinking, what are you doing? So remember Jesus? One person went, yes. <laughs> Good thing I brought that up this morning because that's what we're here for, to learn about Jesus. And so Jesus said in Matthew 7, 6, and we won't turn there, he talked about, you know, being careful. He talked about dogs and stuff, and he talked about swine. And he said, be careful where you throw certain things and put certain things. And concerning swines, he said, don't cast your pearls before swine. Are pearls worth something? I mean, if you had some pearls right now, if we, you know, there's a lot of people who do sermon illustrations at church, and they'll, like, give you something or put something here. Like, if I said, okay, you know, are pearls worth something? What if I gave you a string of pearls? You go, oh, this is a great sermon illustration. Huh. You'd be like, all right, I got this. You'd hold on to it. But when you got home, how many of you go throw it in, in, in with your dogs? Oh, wait just a minute. You have enough sense there to go, wait. You just don't give Scripture and write words everywhere. Some people may not appreciate it. And he gave this illustration. He said, if you give it and cast your pearls, you got something good. Before swine, now don't call your wife a swine or your kids a swine or your neighbors a swine. He's just given an illustration. They're going to get trampled under their foot. I mean, what is a pig going to do if you throw a million dollars in there? You might get upset. What are you doing? You're chewing on that. It's a million dollars, don't you understand? They don't care. They'll chew on it. They'll roll in it. You're wrecking that million dollars. Don't you know? No, they don't know. Does that mean you don't have pearls? Does that mean you don't have something of great value that could be helpful to somebody? But when they don't understand, you can't always give. You can always give to your kids in the right setting. Don't pound the scriptures down their throat, but be skillful. Especially when they're younger. Spouses, good words, stingy words. Harsh words stay with people. And when you're married and you talk that way to one another, you're asking for trouble, no matter how you pray, no matter how you confess the word. If you talk the word to them and say wrong, stingy words, you're in trouble. Why? They'll stick with people. You ever had somebody who wasn't a friend? The Bible talks about certain words of a tailbearer go down deep inside people and they cut. You ever had people say stuff to you and, you know, sometimes you just go, whatever, but then you say something to somebody and it, and, and it sticks with you and you have to go get 
in Jesus' name. That's not me. Other people just accept it and go, okay, that's me. I'm a dummy. I'm this. I'm that. And I'm insufficient. And they just surrender to it or just hangs with them all day long. And then they leave to go to work and they're blue and they're down. One place where people should be built up is in the home. And if you're with an unsaved person, that's okay. You don't need to preach to your husband or your wife if they're unsaved. You can love them, invite them, let them know, but you should have enough wisdom. But the fact of the matter is, if others aren't going to build you up, you can build yourself up. And you need to know what to do and how to do it. And, and he said, don't cast your pearls before swine, because they're just going to, you know, they're going to trample it. And how many people have been that way? They've given something to somebody they knew, oh, they've got to hear this. But their condition is they're not perceptive, not open, and they start trampling what is good for them, and it may not be the way they need to get it anyway. But we are to use words for necessary building up. You with me? But notice this fact here. He said, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for necessary building up. So he wants us to know how to use words, words to build up people. How did God, how did God build the earth and change darkness to light and cause things to be rearranged? The Spirit of God was there the whole time but there were words that were spoken, and it changed everything. And the Bible said that the earth is held in the position and the way it is until God's words are fulfilled. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, because his word has declared it will, but my words won't. But he has already said at the end of the time, when he comes back, he's going to change the whole earth. He's going to fold it up like a garment, redo it, and then we'll live here for a thousand years. Well, how did that get set like that? Through words. Through words. Certain words. You with me? We need to become masters of our words. Not masters of our words concerning some, something that the world tells us, but how God does. Because it really is the lumber by which you build your life. And things get built in your life. You know, and here's the thing. If, if you say something bad about my life, I'm not, it's not going to, I don't have to let it affect me. Because, you know, you hear people after they start hearing this, don't say this about me. Don't say that about me. You know, I heard somebody recently say that the Lord told him, I have to get rid of all this that everybody said to you first. I thought the only reason he has to get rid of it is because he didn't get rid of it. Because you don't have to, because otherwise, if you're the result of everybody else's words, then Jesus would have been the result of words like when they said he's demon-possessed. Like he's a drunk. He's a wine-bibber. And all these other things. He's a deceiver. People said all those words about him, but he was none of them. But he declared things about himself. He found things that were written about himself, and those were the things that are true. Now, if he accepted those things that were lies, it could have drove him down a wrong course. But he didn't, and we don't either. And so here he said, 
Notice this, edify, words can build up and should build up. They are some of the great building blocks of a believer's life. Certain words, and then he said, for necessary edification, these words that are right in God, and we'll talk about those, I believe, that it may impart grace. So this building up comes with an impartation. In the world, you know, they tell you, hey, just tell your kids they can do everything they want. You can be anything you want. You can do anything you want. And nobody can stop you. And they act like they're going to be out there in some rosy situation. It's better to train your kid that God will be with you if you'll obey him. He won't leave you. He'll work in your life. He's for you. And just, you know, you can tell them Bible stories. You know, Daniel... You know, he, he, he and those guys, they separated themselves unto the Lord, and God made them ten times smarter. And that's under the old covenant. He'll help you to be smarter. Don't call your kids stupid. Well, he's just not as smart as the other one. Well, maybe not right now, but you can build them up. Just because you're trying to look at them as book smart, and the other one could be smart in a different way. And you can say, there's ability in you, and God will help you to get it out. And he can work through you, and he will work through you because you're his. Those words will build people up and will impart grace to them. What is grace? It's God's ability. It's God's strength. It's his working power. And so words that build properly don't just build and make me feel good with real no God hope. Because really the world gives false hope. And I'm not for saying when you hear somebody just give something like that and go, that's stupid. Hey, it has some value to build people up and being positive instead of negative. But there is something to be said about words that we learn from God that will build us up. You with me? We know this at Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes when you hear God's word. Here's something that I think is important to hear. It says, don't let any corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Words are the, are the perfume of the atmosphere around you. Somebody said, that stinks. Only because your words have stunk. But you could change the atmosphere around you. Why is it that when people come, they go, oh, I got here, and we were singing, and uh, whew, something started happening in me. God, whoo. Hey, you can create an atmosphere that will enhance that atmosphere. So when you come, you think it's good now, go do this on your own and come back. And then you'll go, oh, hey, got better at church. No, you got yourself into a place. You know, you don't have to have a cloud hanging over you. You don't have to have gloom around you. There is a way to change things and to build you and to build others around you. Notice he said, no corrupt word proceeding out of your mouth. Think of this, you know. People are looking at the Ten Commandments, trying to fulfill these. What about these kind of commandments? You know, there's commandments like, keep your mind on the Lord. 
Don't let any corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the, notice that word, hearers. Hearers. Then it goes on to say, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. But notice, we're not to speak certain things to the hearers. Here's one thing. There are some people who hear you, will hear you just a little bit. There's others who will hear you a little bit more. And then the closer people get to you, the more they're going to hear you. So here's something you have to recognize. This is a command from God. So as, as you get closer to the people that are closer to you, there may be more of a fight there. Because you have the most effect there. When it comes to you, you hear yourself the most. You hear yourself the most, then maybe your wife and kids hear you next, then your employees or em your employer and the people, co-workers, neighborhood people, close friends, and then the further you get away, the less they hear you. There's people who have never heard me around the world. But some have an opportunity. If they just got online, they could connect. Well, that number's not maybe real big just this day. So it's important what I do give. But as things grow and as you grow in your sphere of influence, so the ability to build people up and impart God's grace. And it's important because we want words that work. You with me? What kind of words work? Turn to Acts 20. And I will say this as we turn over to Acts 20. You know, you can edify others. The greatest person you're going to edify is yourself. If Build yourself up. The Bible teaches from way back in the Old Testament. David did it when nobody was for him. He was all by himself. David, the Bible said, encouraged himself in the Lord. It's okay to use your words and use Bible words to build yourself up. You could say it like this, make yourself stronger in the Lord, make others stronger too. Some words don't and some words do but you can use words that will make you yourself stronger in the lord what if you do it and you're a parent and you're in your own room not not doing it to other people but just doing it in your own room and, and you go okay the bible said that god has washed me from sin but you feel like a guilty thing you need to be built up in that area because the bible talks about how that faith can move a mountain guilt can be a mountain on top of somebody and you need to say i'm clean in the lord thank you lord not trying to just move the mountain but edifying yourself in that truth thank you lord i'm strong in you and you've washed me by your blood i'm guilt free god you're for me you said you are i believe it it's not just saying at one time it's a cumulative effect that as you do it it will 
impart grace to yourself, to other people. And the more you do this, and as you do this and are careful of your words, you will build yourself up in the Lord. You should walk around. You know, we talk about praise. It's important what you praise God. Oh, God, please come right now. No, you should say, thank you, Lord. You said. But people who live by just their feelings and false reasonings are not actually living by what God said that for the believer, I'm in you and I'm always with you. So if I want to get built up and become aware of that, I should say, Lord, I thank you. You live in me. And you'll never leave me, and you are for me. I, that just one time is good for about six months, right? No. No, I need to do this regularly. It's okay. Hey, if I want to get in shape, I may need to change my diet. I may need to change how I exercise. But here's the thing. This will build you up. You can build yourself up. You don't have to depend on others. But when you get good with your words, you'll start recognizing that there is divine power in them. You'll sense them, just like you sense God's presence here. You'll start sensing power in your words. I dare you to do this for 30 days and just set a time aside where you find things in the Bible. You're for me, God. My life is hidden Christ. I'm dead with you. But not because I'm dead, just my old life is gone. I have a new life in you. And you'll start getting built up. What you'll notice is that, that your words will actually start to breathe the atmosphere of heaven. You'll sense power coming, not because you raise your voice. Oh, i got to act like a preacher now. No, but you'll just start sensing his ability working through you. Because you're getting built up in the Lord. Grace has been coming. Grace is being released. You can go through the Bible and words that just don't seem like reality to you, like greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. Okay, you said that, Lord. So I believe the greater one's in me. You said in another place, he rises up. So down inside of me, you live with all your ability, and I thank you. What's happening? You're getting built up. Grace is being imparted. Notice this in Acts 20. I was thinking we might go here, but maybe we won't. Maybe we'll be done. I will say this, there is more than one way to get built up. Jude 20 tells the believers to pray in tongues, and he said you would edify yourself. But in 1 Corinthians, the interesting thing about that is, he said when you pray in an unknown tongue, no one understands you, but you speak to God, but you build yourself up, but not others. Praying in tongues is a wonderful avenue to build yourself up spiritually in the Lord. But it doesn't have certain effects on others. Matter of fact, he said others will think you're crazy, but you will be doing good by building yourself up and giving praise and thanks to God well. That's another way. But the fact of the matter is God has given you ways to build you up. The one thing is it doesn't give you understanding of things, but you still get stronger. This gives you understanding. And it changes the way you think. And when you get built up in certain truths and then people come with their junk and their cloud, you know, and try and dump stuff on you, and you get strong enough, just be like, whatever. You won't have to have, you know, a fit. Don't say that. Whatever. Jesus didn't say, quit saying that stuff about me. Everybody, we need to run. Oh, no, there's a devil screaming. 
No, you can get strong, and God wants you strong, and there's an ability to get strong. Just find, there's all kinds of things that say who you are once you gave your life to the Lord. You're clean, He's for you, He created you new, He lives in you, flows through you, He'll take hold with you. He, he even said we're part, we have been put into the commonwealth of the covenants and promises of Israel once we got saved. So all the blessings of Abraham on my life. But see, some people are not edified in that. They're really been torn down and built up and thinking, I'm a loser. I'm not a success. And it may look like it right now, but you can build yourself up. You can be a wimp and go to the gym and get stronger. Right? I mean, no offense. I mean, I'm in the same line you're in, you know, or some of you, you know, I'm not like, whoa, in great shape. But if I went to the gym... I could be edified physically, but the fact of the matter is, what is more important? The Bible said, spiritual exercise is profitable unto all things, but physical exercise only has temporary effect. Praise the Lord. Well, we do need a temporary effect, though. <laughs> but we need, the, we need to focus on the one that's long-term, right? That needs to be the priority, not all the physical side only. And I'm telling you, if you will do this and be careful of the words that come out of your mouth, you can find that they will be powerful. One reason why people's words are not as powerful and useful for them is because they're not careful with them. They're quick to condemn themselves. The minute they fail, they, I'm a loser. I always do stupid things. I can't believe this. They're quick to condemn themselves. They rob themselves of faith, and they rob themselves of strength. They rob themselves of God's ability working in their life. And they get used to living with a cloud over them. If the cloud's not there, there's something just not right. We need to learn to live. People come here because they like it sunny, right? You move to Portland if you like clouds. Like, son, you come down here. Some people just feel like they need a cloud over their life because they would almost feel naked without some guilt, like something's wrong. God doesn't want you to have that. And you can build yourself up so strong that all those clouds will go away. When they come back, you say, no, I have the life of God in me, and God's for me, and I have his name, and his name's above every name, and he told me I can use it. And if you will use your words... You will not only impart grace to the hearer, you'll find that your words have something, and when you start talking to other people, there will be something that will stick, and it will be good. And it will build them up. And here's the whole thing. Words are a fragrance. You don't, nobody has to hear, too, in your house. If you've got unsaved people, people who don't want to hear, you can walk around your house. Say, thank you, Lord. I live here. You have a good place here. You can move here. Your peace is here. You said, the peace I give, I have. And then you said, I can go into a house and release my peace or the peace that you've given. So I declare your peace in this house so that people can have calm and don't, because kids can't be raised and shouldn't be raised in that hostile situation. I was a youth pastor for years and years and years and years, and people used to look to me for the answer, and I would watch parents how they act and go, their kids are going to be jacked up. 
And it's not because I was prophesying. Don't say that over me. No, it's because of the atmosphere that's being created. Hey, if you take a hose today and try this, take the hose. If you have one of those um, sprinkler attachments, take the hose, drag it in your house, put it in the middle of your living room, get it up on the table so it doesn't not block by the furniture. Just set it up there in a high place. You need to put a box there. That would be good. Get it up there and then go outside and turn the thing on and expect that whole room not to get wet, soggy, and full of mold by just leaving it running and damaged. Somebody said, like, you're a nut. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You can't just create an atmosphere and think things are not going to get affected by it. That's why he said, be careful of your words. You can change the old... You, Hey, there's some people who go, man, I just love what happens in church. You can love what happens in your home. It may not change overnight, but you can start using words. You can be purposeful. How many of you didn't like the color of your home maybe when you moved in or you don't like it now, so you're going to go paint the thing? Some people don't like the color and just think, I ain't going to paint it and leave it like it is. But there's some things, you know, hey, there's some people, you know, you got pets and animals and there's a smell in your house. You ever notice that? Just be honest. Okay, yes, 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 there's a smell, I'll admit it. Here's how you can tell. You're getting company over and you get the air freshener out and you walk around. Shh, shh. Then you get the freeze out and you're all couple hours later, you're like, hey, come on in. You're, you care how your house smells. You care about the atmosphere of your house. Well, if there's a natural one, what about the spiritual one? Right? What You can't just go, all right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, glory, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, forgive me for being stupid, Lord, and saying all those dumb words. Just fixing this all up. Hi, come on in. And the kids, your kids know. They're like, I think my mom's got a demon. I think that's what happened. Jesus said something, you know, because she's different. Like 20 minutes ago, then the people leave and it's like, listen, stop it. You're affecting stuff. And you're just getting robbed yourself, and you're not blessed and enriched and full of his peace. And he wants you that way. He wants you to enjoy life and live victorious. And so don't just wait till company comes to clean. Here he goes again. Just don't wait. Right? Yeah, some of you ladies just won't wear untoed shoes, you know, that are open because you you got black and blue, blue toes because you kick stuff that's laying around all the time. Oh. oh, those are pretty shoes. I just, oh, I couldn't wear those. But if you just cleaned up, you could because your shoes and your feet wouldn't be all bruised. Right? And so if you do that with your own life, I'm telling you, you could get strong. And it's God's plan, but it's going to take words. Words. Well, I guess we'll stop right there. 
Somebody said, thank you. My feet were hurting, not because just what I kicked, but being stepped on. But God is good, and he wants to help you. If you want an atmosphere where people get hungry for God and they sense something in your house, use words. Use them regular, and they'll get built. And people will come in and start to recognize something working. You with me? And they'll go, I like being there. And you'll be like, man, they need to, those robbers. No, I'm kidding. But words can have an effect. And they do all the time. They do all the time. 